Chapter Three of Pearls by W. J. Dakin. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Marianne. Chapter Three, The Anatomy of the Pearl Oyster, Margarita Fera Vulgaris, Schum, and the Structure of Its Shell. A simple account of the anatomy and biology of the Ceylon pearl oyster is interesting and necessary to anyone who would follow further the romance of pearl formation. The oyster of Ceylon belongs to a group of mollusks known popularly as bivalves, but more scientifically as lamella bronchiata. This name refers to the characteristic plate-like gills. The group includes the well-known edible oyster, the edible mussel, cockle, and almost all other shellfish which produce pearls. The Ceylon pearl oyster is a near ally of the scallop, a lamella branch caught in large quantities at many places round the British islands and enjoyed as a luxury by the few who have recognized its delicate flavor. The degree of relationship between the scallops and the Ceylon pearl oyster is, as a matter of fact, much closer than that between the latter and our edible oyster. The soft body of the animal is enclosed between two valves of shell, which are hinged together along a line which is dorsal in relation to the body. The opposite edges of the valves, at the shell opening, are therefore ventral, and each valve is situated laterally on the creature's body, that is, there is a right and a left valve. Each valve is rounded in outline, but the dorsal edge or hinge is flattened and ends in wings, or auricles, in front and behind. The shell of a four-year-old oyster measures about 9.0 centimeters from the hinge line to the opposite ventral edge and about 8.5 centimeters across the valves. The shell is not thick, like that of the edible oyster or the mother-of-pearl oysters, but very thin, only about 1.5 millimeters in thickness, and it is lined by the usual nacreous layer, or mother-of-pearl, which is here exceedingly brilliant and iridescent. The mother-of-pearl layer does not extend to the edge of the valve, and consequently the margin is still thinner. It is only composed of two layers, which will be referred to below. The external surface of the shell is rough and dull in color, and usually obscured by various other organisms growing upon it. The hinge line is a ridge which runs along the dorsal edge of each valve. Close to it and extending for about the middle third of its length is a tough black elastic ligament. This ligament, compressed when the two valves are closed, and thus always tending to divaricate the valves and open the shell, it is a dead material, and consequently unaffected by the action of the animal. Inside the two valves, however, is a powerful muscle, the adductor, figure 4, which is attached subcentrally, and this serves to close the shell. The shell valves are thus pulled together by muscular action, but they open automatically when the muscle is relaxed, by virtue of the elastic ligament. For this reason, the shells gape when the animal dies. The shell of most mollusks and practically all bivalves, like the pearl oyster and the freshwater mussel, is composed of three layers, but a fourth occurs at places where the closing, or abductor, muscles are attached. It will be necessary to describe these layers in some detail, for the same structures are present in pearls. In fact, pearl structure is very similar to shell structure. The outermost layer of the shell is known as the periostracum, see figure 2. It is a more or less horny layer, which is normally secreted by the cells of the edge of the mantle only. Consequently, it does not increase in thickness after once it has been formed. In young shellfish, the periostracum is relatively much thicker than in old specimens, for the other layers increase in thickness. 
very often too the periostracum is really thinner in the adults because it gets rubbed off the periostracum is sometimes continued in the form of numerous lamellae into the next deeper layer of shell substance this layer is known as the prismatic layer it is of much greater thickness than the periostracum and is built up of calcareous columns or prisms arranged at right angles to the surface of the shell the prismatic layer just like the rest of the calcareous shell consists of both inorganic and organic substances the organic part forms a kind of framework upon which the calcium carbonate is deposited the organic substance itself is known as conchyolin the prismatic layer also is secreted normally by the cells of the mantle edges only it cannot increase in thickness after it has once been formed the prisms of which it is built are often surrounded by very delicate sheaths of periostracal like substance and each prism or column is transversely striped in fact each column looks like a little pile of microscopic coins this prismatic layer often occurs in pearls the third layer to be referred to is the most important of all from our point of view it is the innermost layer forming the internal surface of the shell except at the small areas where the adductor muscle is attached and where there is a still more internal layer of shell substance this is known as the nacreous layer and consists of that valuable substance mother of pearl the nacreous layer differs from the layers already described in being secreted normally by the entire external surface of the mantle consequently it can increase in thickness throughout the life of the animal it is built up of very delicate lamellae or tiny platelets which are arranged overlapping one another figure three parallel to the surface of the shell the edges of the lamellae are zigzag and as the surface of the mother-of-pearl layer exhibits parts of the faces and also the edges of the lamellae a surface is formed which possesses by virtue of interference phenomena the so much desired iridescent luster it is this nacreous layer which gives the pearls their beauty and it is this layer which is often deposited over sand grains or objects placed by man between the shell and mantle further reference to the nacreous layer will be made later the last layer to which reference will be made here is found between the muscle and shell it is called the hypostracum and is like the two preceding layers formed of a calcium carbonate it is built up of distinct columns arranged at right angles to the surface of the shell now let us look briefly at the course of shell growth the shell grows in size at the edge here the edge of the mantle is forming periostracum and prismatic layers and there is practically nothing else a little distance in from the edge of the shell the surface of the mantle is secreting nacreous or mother-of-pearl substance and this goes on continually thus the shell increases in thickness over its whole inner surface the secretion of the shell is really very complicated though the organs forming it may appear very simple shell formation is due entirely to the cells covering the mantle these cells fabricate and pour out or secrete a mixture of organic and inorganic substances conchyolin and lime crystallization of these substances takes place altogether outside the animal and the shell is the product what determines the regularity of structure or the formation of beautifully marked or sculptured shells is unknown all the cells seem practically alike yet there must be some determining factor hidden there if a mollusk shell is broken or a piece of the shell is removed some distance away from the edge a most extraordinary thing happens which is of the greatest importance in regard to theories of pearl formation the shell is repaired 
but the repair substance is not as was once thought only nacre the mantle cells which normally would be secreting nacre now secrete at the area of breakage first periostracum then prismatic layer and finally mother of pearl thus although certain parts of the mantle surface secrete normally certain definite parts of the shell the cells which secrete the nacre are capable of secreting all other layers if necessary this extraordinary property is made use of in the formation of pearls as will be seen later let us now leave the dead shelly covering and look at the animal itself which has been responsible for the secretion of the valves the figure figure four is a view of the right side of the animal in the center there is to be seen the large adductor muscle and this seems to take the place of a central scaffold dorsal to this that is towards the hinge line is a soft unsegmented body in which lies the heart and the viscera ventral to the muscle are the flat plate-like gills hanging down as curtains into the cavity that is enclosed by the two valves on the left the foot is to be seen with fibers of byssus the mouth is situated above the byssus this figure with the rough description given above represents what is seen when a flap of tissue very important as we shall see from the point of view of pearls has been removed this flap known as the mantle or pallium is a lateral fold of the wall of the body of the animal it is similar in shape to the valve of the shell in fact it has formed the latter the cavity between the two mantle flaps into which one looks when a mollusk's shell is opened is of course nothing else but part of the external world and is known as the pallial cavity the sea-water enters this space and bathes the gills which hang down into it and also the internal faces of the mantle flaps the mantle lobes are therefore separated anteriorly ventrally and posteriorly but continuous dorsally underneath the hinge line the free edge of the mantle is thickened and darker in color than the rest it also bears numerous short tentacles in the common scallop the mantle edge bears numerous complex eyes as well as the tentacles it is usual to find the edge of the mantle thickened very considerably in the majority of bivalves and as we have seen the edge is of great importance for it secretes two layers of the shell the external periostracum and the prismatic layer these two layers are renewed by the mantle edge and growth of the shell so far as these layers are concerned can only take place at the margin the inner nacreous layer is on the other hand secreted by the whole face of the mantle in contact with the shell the mantle itself is formed of connective tissue with numerous blood spaces it has an extensive blood supply it is bounded by a layer of cells the ectoderm and the ectodermal cells next to the shell are secretory as we have seen the ectoderm facing the pallial cavity is ciliated that is the cells possess delicate vibratile processes or cilia the foot is an organ capable of very considerable expansion and contraction it arises from the visceral mass just below the mouth the variation in size is brought about in the following manner the foot is highly muscular but it is also full of cavities which communicate with the blood system if blood is forced into the spaces the foot increases in size and becomes several times as large as in the contracted condition contraction takes place by muscular action it is by alternate expansion and contraction in this way that the common razor shell of our coasts bores its way down into the sand on the ventral surface at the foot and at the end nearest the body is a gland situated in a pit from this a groove runs to the end of the foot to another pit 
the gland secretes the fibers known as byssus easily seen in the common edible mussel and in both cases the byssus is used for attaching the animal to the rocks or to other shells all these structures are indicated in figure four in addition however to the secretion of byssus and its attachment by the same the foot is actually used for locomotion the byssus can be pulled away and then the pearl oyster being free extends the foot and uses it as a crawling organ in a somewhat similar manner to the snail having found perhaps a more suitable position for reattachment the top of the foot is applied to some rock and the pit at the end of the bisel groove is thus pressed against the attachment surface the edges of the groove are now brought together so that a narrow tube is formed and down this tube pass a fluid secretion from the bisel gland it soon hardens in contact with seawater and after about five minutes the foot may be withdrawn from the attachment surface it will then be seen that an elastic fiber extends from the mouth of the byssus gland pit to the point where the other pit was pressed against the rock this process is repeated very many times until a large number of fibers extend in a bunch from the byssus gland opening to the attachment surface if a pearl oyster or an edible mussel is pulled away with force from its attachment the byssus is not usually detached from the foot it comes away from the rock or it breaks after some time however the mollusk sheds the old byssus and if it reattaches itself it does so by the secretion of a new one the muscles reference has already been made to the large central adductor muscle which pulls the two valves together and closes the shell in many of our bivalves there are two abductor muscles where only one is present it corresponds to the posterior of the two this adductor muscle can contract with considerable force the force required to open an edible oyster an edible mussel or cockle is probably known to most readers this force is being expended in overcoming the strength of the adductor muscles whilst however the bivalves can resist very considerable pulls made for a short period a very weak pull is sufficient if sustained for some time to break down the oyster's protection this is the cause of much trouble for one of the enemies of the bivalve the starfish opens the shell merely by pulling on both valves with comparatively little force but with an insistence that is to be admired the process is interesting because for a long time it was supposed that the starfish poisoned the mollusk when of course after death the shell would open automatically this is not the case as the starfish simply applies its arms to the two valves of the shell attaches its numerous tube feet and steadily pulls when its perseverance has been rewarded by the devarication of the two valves the stomach is extruded and the animal proper of the mollusk digested in addition to the adductor muscle there are several other large and definite muscles which are connected with the foot there are six of these altogether all are attached or inserted onto the shell valves two of them are known as retractors they originate in the walls of the byssus gland and pass backwards one to each shell valve the other four are levators two of which are anterior and two posterior by the contraction of these muscles the foot is moved from side to side or retracted the protrusion of the foot to the outside of the shell is produced by a rush of blood into the cavities of this organ there are numerous other smaller and diffuse muscles in the body which need not be detailed the viscera there is no large cavity in the mollusks which like the human body cavity or coleum apparently contains the viscera the cavity which corresponds to this is small it is termed the pericardium and contains the heart as in all bivalves there is a definite heart with blood vessels 
but the vessels often expand into mere cavities in the tissues and it is difficult to speak of arteries and veins except when referring to definite large vessels with cellular walls the heart in the pericardium is situated dorsal to the adductor muscle and between it and the so-called liver see figure four the mouth of the animal is situated high up near the hinge line above the foot and consequently anterior in position it is partially hidden by two lips which are produced at the sides to form flat plates known as labial palps since each corner of the mouth is produced laterally to merge into the gutter between the two palps on each side a feature not easily shown in a diagram the two pair of palps act as directing walls and guide food to the mouth the mouth leads into the alimentary canal a more or less simple tube which with the exception of a swollen region the stomach is much the same in structure and appearance throughout its length it coils once and finally runs over the adductor muscle to open by the anus into the cavity between the two shell valves the stomach is embedded in and surrounded by the so-called liver it is very difficult however to compare any organ in invertebrates with organs in vertebrates and this so-called liver possesses many functions that are not performed by the human liver it is better to call it a digestive gland it secretes juices that help break up and alter the food and it absorbs this digested nutriment now let us see how these organs do their work and by what means the pearl oyster obtains its food starting at the very beginning of the story the food of the pearl oyster consists of minute animals and plants which occur everywhere floating in the seawater these same microscopic organisms are found in the freshwater of ponds streams rivers and lakes and they occur in the sea though of course different species are characteristic of all these different situations and are in fact characteristic and different for each season of the year these organisms must be brought within the shell and as the bivalves are not capable of pursuing them a current of water is caused to flow into the shell cavity which will bring them with it this current of water is very important for another reason the pearl oyster like other living organisms must breathe it obtains its oxygen from the water and consequently a current of water must enter the shell continually bringing in oxygen and must pass out again with carbonic acid gas the product of respiration thus an inflowing current of seawater brings oxygen for respiration and food for nutrition at the same time the water current is produced chiefly by the gills we have already referred to these organs as being flat plates in the bivalve mollusks they occur as two double plates on each side hanging down like curtains from the adductor muscle and visceral mass and occupying a considerable part of that cavity itself a part of the external world which is encompassed by the two valves of the shell these are really only two gills but as each one appears as two double plates half gills they are often said to be four it must be remembered then that each one of the four is but a half gill two half gills belong to each side of the body each gill plate is made up of a number of filaments all hanging down side by side they are held together by delicate hair-like processes so that they appear to make up a firm sickle-shaped plate as a matter of fact a slight touch with a finger serves to separate the filaments so that a gill plate looks like a comb the teeth of which are not brittle and strong but soft and only kept in position by adhering to one another perhaps a better comparison would be with the vein of a feather here also we have a number of delicate processes which are held together to form a flat plate the gills are covered with delicate microscopic hair-like processes or cilia arranged in a regular and particular manner 
and it is by the continual wafting of these cilia that the water current enters the shell probably all readers of this book have watched the effect of the wind blowing across a field of corn successive waves appear to cross the field but the motion of each cornstalk is to and fro if one could make the cornstalks move in this way of their own accord the process would be reversed and a current of air would be produced this is exactly what takes place on the gills the cilia are the individual cornstalks they move continually but rhythmically one after the other so that waves are set up this sets the water in motion the current of water enters the shell between the two mantle lobes at a region about the middle of the ventral margin it passes over the gill plates and through them passing through them continually the water is to a certain extent robbed of its oxygen and leaves the shell at what is known as the excellent opening situated posteriorly if however food particles enter with the water of the inflowing current they are wafted along the gill margins anteriorly until they reach the two flaps known as the pulps there are a pair of these on each side of the body the outermost of each is really a prolongation of the upper lip of the mouth and the innermost a prolongation of the lower lip consequently the gutter or groove between either pair of pulps leads to the mouth like the gills the pulps are covered with cilia hence the food particles are wafted along between them up to the mouth opening the particles may be accepted as food and then pass into the alimentary canal or they may be rejected in the latter case they are picked up by a current of water running along parallel and close to the margin of that mantle and are carried back until the excellent opening is reached here they leave the shell together with the current of water that has passed through the gills in this manner the pearl oysters and indeed also the cockle mussel and other bivalves obtain their food they search not neither do they place food in their mouths by special appendages reference has been made once or twice to the gills it must be said here that they are not the only organs concerned in respiration the mantle lobes themselves are very efficient respiratory organs for they contain numerous blood spaces and the wall separating this blood from the sea-water in the cavity of the shell is extremely thin and allows the interchange of the gases the blood system all bivalves possess a heart and system of blood vessels this perhaps is not common knowledge because the blood of these mollusks is practically always colorless the absence of the characteristic red hemoglobin of human blood does not render the blood different so far as function is concerned there are other chemical compounds present instead which help to carry out chemical changes similar to those performed by hemoglobin in human respiration the heart consists of one ventricle a central dorsally situated muscular walled bag and two auricles one on either side with much thinner walls the ventricle contracts or beats rhythmically and at each contraction the contained blood is forced out through two arteries not shown in figure four to the system on dilation after each contraction blood is sucked into the ventricle from the auricles the blood can only flow in one direction it is prevented from re-entering the auricles when the ventricle contracts by valves which guard the orifices the auricles receive their blood from the gills and mantle thus the heart only contains blood of one kind pure the blood system is much more simple than that of man where the heart has two ventricles and pumps out both pure and impure blood the excretory organs the pearl oyster possesses two so-called kidneys they are simply tubes which open at one end into the pericardium and at the other into that part of the external world enclosed by the two shell valves 
excrete matter is removed from the blood which circulates in the walls of these tubes and is passed into the lumen eventually reaching the exterior waste matter may also be excreted into the pericardium itself by the walls of the heart this excrete matter also passes down the lumen of the kidneys to the exterior there now remains to be described the nervous system and sense organs and finally the reproductive organs to render this general account of the anatomy complete the nervous system and sense organs since bivalves like the pearl oyster and the mussel do not make a very active search for food but lead a sluggish existence partaking of such nutriment as is wafted to them they miss that active struggle for existence which is bound up with a search for food and a combat with enemies not that they take no part in a struggle for existence that seems to be part of the ordained law of life for every organism it is here however of a more passive nature we are not surprised then to find that both nervous system and sense organs are but simple here in fact is the explanation of the absence of a definite and obvious head with eyes and other organs to the man in the street an animal lacks all individuality if it does not possess such a structure on which he may interpret some expression one cannot point to the animal's head but merely to the head region specialized sense organs are few and they cannot be compared to any possessed by well-known vertebrate animals they are of use to the animal for orienting itself and for testing the water which continually streams into the shell the edges of the mantle are sensitive to light and a shadow thrown on them causes an immediate closure of the shell this is the sole means of defense possessed by the pearl oyster as a matter of fact when eyes are present in the bivalves they are usually situated not in the head region but on the mantle edges the only regions where they would be of any service thus do necessity and use triumph in nature over all else the nervous system consists simply of three pairs of small bodies of ganglia which are aggregations of nerve cells connected by nerve fibers one pair the cerebral ganglia is situated in the head region at the sides of the esophagus another pair the pedal ganglia is connected to the cerebral ganglia by two connectives but the two ganglia are fused to form one mass at the base of the foot the third pair is situated on the face of the adductor muscle the ganglia of this pair are connected to the cerebral ganglia but not to the pedal thus the nervous system is bilaterally symmetrical and composed of right and left halves in this simple invertebrate nervous system we find nerve fibers running out from these ganglia to muscles other fibers sensory in function run in from the peripheral parts of the body and the gills a stimulus such as a difference in the constitution of the water a shadow thrown on the mantle edge or a blow struck by some external object on any soft part of the body is followed by the transmission of nerve impulses to ganglion cells and from these to muscles a response may or may not follow the stimulus but we can only regard it as a reflex action the reproductive system the last system in the body to which we shall allude is the one comprising those organs upon which the upkeep of the race depends in the pearl oyster the sexes are separate that is to say an individual is either male or female in the scallop both male and female organs are found in each individual there is however no difference to the eye in the external appearance of male and female oysters the sex can only be determined by examining closely the organs of reproduction inside the body the organs themselves are rather diffuse and consist of hundreds of branched tubules which cover the stomach the digestive gland and the intestine the tubules open into little sacs 
and in these the eggs or spermatozoa are formed according to the sex the tubules join up to form ducts which open into each other until they form a large duct on each side which opens to the exterior when the reproductive organs are mature the eggs or spermatozoa are shed into the sea they pass out of the shell and float about in the water in which the animals are living as these spermatozoa are developed in countless numbers and as the pearl oysters are gregarious there is every chance of a sperm meeting an egg fusion of the two then takes place and fertilization is accomplished fertilization depends then not on any act of the pearl oysters themselves except of course the emission of the eggs or sperms into the sea-water but upon the accidental meeting in the sea of the two microscopic germs where this method is adopted we always expect to find myriads of eggs developed in the individual to make sure in the terrific mortality that afterwards occurs that some small but adequate proportion will survive this is the case in the pearl oyster it would be a tax on the imagination to picture what would happen if every egg produced by the pearl oysters developed into even a young oyster this however applies to many thousands of other species in the animal world the description of the pearl oyster should give an idea of the type of animal that is popularly known as a bivalve it would not be difficult for the reader to find most of the structures described in the edible oyster the scallop the clam the edible mussel cockle and freshwater mussel the three last named might look rather different but this is simply due to the fact that instead of possessing one large central muscle for closing the shell they possess two one at each end of the body end of chapter three